Hello everyone, Mike Thyssen here. Before we start the episode, I wanted to let you know that um, this will be a new set of episodes that I'm really grateful that you're listening to. Um, I wanted to take a quick moment to thank uh, a gentleman by the name of Jeff Speck. Uh, Jeff Speck is an internationally known uh, urban planner and designer, but he was uh, recently in uh, my neck of the woods talking about walkability. And uh, I dedicate this episode to him uh, with the episode of design, and I hope you like it too. If you do, hit me up on Twitter, which is WTH Mike Thyssen, and give me some comments, drop me a line, and who knows, I might be able to send you a mug. Um, and then uh, su- send me some suggestions for other things to, to talk about in terms of economic development. Anyway, I hope you enjoy the show, and uh, we'll go from there. This is a production of the GSD Podcast Network. And from the heart of North America, it's time to answer the burning question, what the hell does Mike Thyssen do? This community economic development podcast is part of the GSB Podcast Network. And now, you know him, you love him, you'd like to live without him, Mike Thyssen. Time for another podcast of What the Hell Does Mike Thyssen Do? The economic development podcast that spans boundaries and is solution-oriented. What we're really talking about is how might a community be best prepared when there's a knock at their door for growth. This episode will talk about why design is important to a community's quality of place. And I have to tell you, I've been looking forward to this particular episode because I love architecture. I'm, I'm I'm a huge fan of architecture and... Um, generally, when I go into a community, I look at downtowns and I look at at uh, the various uh, facades and in um, houses, you know, Victorian houses that, that line the streets off of Main Street, and um, I just really get a lot out of that. And uh, it allow, you know, for someone who's a stranger going into your town. You know, you, you kind of have this bright-eyed and bushy-tailed look in your face when you're going, wow, this is really neat. This is really cool. Even abandoned buildings, but there's some really good bones here. But when you talk to a local who's been there all their life, it's, oh, yeah, that building needs to come down. Or, you know, that thing's an eyesore. And true story, um, I moved to a town about 12 years ago and walked downtown and saw this incredible building. Looks, It, it could be easily converted into... Uh, it was a it was a five story office building that had this beautiful marble um, marble facade. Um, again, I'm not an architect, but they had the they had the sort of this crowning up on top that's you know marble and all these gargoyle like features and uh, it's sat abandoned and empty. And I know why it was because of asbestos. But man, wouldn't it be great if a developer came in there and just cherried it out into a hotel or with some retail space on the bottom? Uh, I guess that's. I guess I like to dream. So, um, so I, I started talking to, to people in this in, in this town. You know, what about this building? And uh, they were they they all wanted it to come down. And I'm thinking this is a beautiful building, and they thought it was an ugly building. Uh, true story about another town. Uh, about 20, 75 years ago, uh, their courthouse. Uh, they they took down the bell tower from their courthouse because uh, the bell broke, and so they figured they would take take away the bell tower. And they spent the past 30 years chipping in extra dollars to put that bell tower back. Um, but while I was there, they were working to, to get the bell tower back up. And the town was still split. Um, you know, why, why would we want a stupid bell tower on our, on our, on our uh, courthouse? 
um, what they did is they actually put a tornado siren on top of the on, on top of the, uh, the the courthouse. So you know you have this beautiful courthouse with with uh, uh, I assume it's a sort of Empire State Building design, um, sort of this Gothic court sort of design with a tor- with a with a tornado siren on on top. To, that took the place of, of their bell tower and their clock tower, and uh, it just made no sense. It, it looked like it looked like there was, you know, it, it looked like it was a, an old fashioned radio station. So, um, but what I really want to sort of figure out is, you know, when we look at when we look at architecture, when we look at a, at you know our downtowns and our and our towns, and our housing stock, and what makes a community go. It really does go to quality of place, and first impressions make a lot of difference when people are wanting to come and develop, um, or site selectors want to come to your town and they look at your town and they say, "Okay, is it clean? Can my family live here? Can they go to the schools?" And when they look at a wonderfully designed town, or, or a town with great architecture that's bustling and hustling, you got a bit of an advantage over towns that don't. So I've been, I've been. Really, kind of thinking about what is it that that um, would influence business attraction and enhancing your quality of place for residents and visitors. And in my work, I, I work with a lot of um, I work with a lot of designers, a lot of architects. I don't know exactly what design really is, so why not find someone that can help me understand what design is, and let's have a real design conversation. Um, also, we might talk about what is design thinking because I'm thinking that maybe I have a designer's mind, but I don't really want to go through the rigmarole of, you know, being an architect or whatever. So I figured I'd find a real-life architect, and I have, and uh, I'd like to bring him on the show uh, real, uh, for a conversation. His name is Mike Davis. He's with VPS Architecture. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at MDAV007, and Mike is the principal architect with VPS Architecture, whom I think can help me communicate and understand why Design matters in terms of use and visual, visual aesthetics. So, uh, Mike, welcome to the to the podcast. Uh, introduce yourself, and uh, why don't you tell me a little about your origin story, why you became an architect, and what are the skills that you need in order for you to be an architect? And then I'll start asking you just some weird questions. <laughs> well, thanks for having me, Mike. I appreciate it, uh, and I enjoy talking about architecture and design anytime I get a chance. And I agree with everything uh, you kind of laid out beforehand, but obviously. There's always money that is a big factor in what we do, and sure. and also planning, planning. If you, having those community leaders that have foresight to plan ahead, as opposed to just reacting to the business environments or what that whatever's going on, that plays a big part in a lot of what we do. But my backstory is I wanted to be an architect probably before I actually knew I wanted to be an architect. I knew I, I loved art and design so in and, the womb. I mean, yeah, could be, could be. It came so, out. And... So we'll have a podcast on predestination <laughs> That's later. That's right. Okay. Well, it's going to make sense after you, you kind of give you a brief update right. of my story. Sure. I don't want to get too long-winded here, but, you know, I was in high school, and, uh, you know, I loved construction. And all, and so I was in high school, took an aptitude test, and number one thing, architect. Really? Went to the guidance counselor. Nope, you can't do that. I'm like, oh, I guess I can't do that, you know. Okay. So I went to USI. Graduated from there in psychology and degree. USI and is University of Southern Indiana. Okay, yeah, because right. I didn't know what I wanted to do if I can't be an architect. Well, this guidance counselor must right. know, right? Sure, it, it must know. So, and my parents didn't really know. They didn't go to college. My dad served in the military, uh, and so 
Didn't know. And then I got a job uh, in Versailles, which is right outside of Lexington, Kentucky. A okay. uh, guy I was working with there, uh, his sister was in the U program at UK. And so I went to a couple of classes with her and quit, quit and went, signed up that fall for <laughs> wow. architecture. And so I went Good to UK, you. stayed in Venice. Uh, finished up at Ball State and then uh, moved back here. Uh, this is where family here, Southern Illinois, is where my family and my wife's family okay. all grew up, and I uh, love it ever since. So um, now I've heard a lot about Ball State and Ball State's architecture school. Um, can you chat with me just a little bit about just how good that school is on the, in in terms of the national international stage, or is it, or is it just a misnomer? Cause no, but. You know, every school in architecture is different, a little bit different. And that's one thing, again, because no one knows what architects do. They don't really get it. Uh, and, and architecture is, and I always say it's, a, it's, it's, art, it's the merging of art and science. So every architect's a designer. Uh, if you're an architect that's not a designer, they call you an engineer, right? Because that's really <laughs> what we do. We take the technical and we make it creative and make it, Sure. Aesthetically pleasing, but no. So Ball State's a really well-rounded program. It's well known because of that. Whereas you have Notre Dame, that's well known because of the classical training that you get. And so a lot of them go to work in D.C. and wherever there are classical plethora of classical buildings, maybe New York City. Sure. You, when I was at UK, UK was all about the the art, more the design portion of it. So they the, they were the classical. Hey, we're gonna we we want a full design by Wednesday, and it's Monday night at six o'clock, and so you're up all night. And whereas Ball State was more like, hey, we want everything to be well rounded, so we want you gotta go to classes during the day, and then studio is a kind of an afterthought. One doesn't dominate the other, so they're very well rounded when you get out, and more probably better off starting out in the profession, hitting the ground running, whereas other. Uh, like a UK, you're catching up unless you go to work for what's called a star architect, like a Zaha Hadid, where everything's uh, just creative, creative, creative. Sure. You know, and so you can. Uh, so it sounds like you got a, a well-rounded education from a whole host of various types of architectural disciplines. Yeah, yeah. and like and then and you know, almost every architect craves knowledge, craves learning, craves being better. Mm -hmm. You know, and they just have that passion. So, so what in your mind when I say what is design? What what are your what are your thoughts on when I say design? What is design to me or to you? Let's see if it aligns with what I do. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say it, it does because uh, every architect, well, every good architect, I should say, I'll preface that, uh, is going to think you know design is every phase of a project. Most people, when you talk to them, they're going to say design. Well, I saw this really cool rendering. Well, okay, that's like 3% of the project of what we do. You know, design is even thinking about the details. How, how do the legs of furniture come together? You know, Frank Lloyd Wright did everything down to the silverware. He designed everything. And that's, yeah. that's really design is all about pulling every, all these different ideas and all these different thoughts, whether it's people, whether it's materials, whether it's details, all together to make an overall piece. And so it's always, you know, it's very true that bad design stands out before good design. 
good design, fades into the background, mm-hmm. people hardly notice it, and then they don't realize, oh, that, that costs money. You right. know, that But does bad design over time become good design? No. No. Okay. Never. <laughs> never ever. Now people might not like like brutalism has taken a hit right now, obviously, right. because it but it was a lot of concrete and it was a lot of reinforced concrete. Well, that was that was the new material, right? Mm-hmm. So right now you look at you know, we're we're doing all this VR, virtual reality, and stuff like that. Well, 20 years from now, what's that going to look like? And everybody will make fun of it sure. back then. That's, but it was still good architecture. You know, it just, the way the materials at the time that they were using were cutting edge. And it was, and so now it gets a bad rap. But back then, it was like, whoa, look at this. It's like, right. what we can do. Right. So brutalism is kind of like that Eastern Bloc Balkan arts yeah. where, you know, it's almost fearful. Yeah. Sort of straightening people into some sign of confirmation or Yeah. So design can actually influence a person's Oh yeah. Has moving a into shape. Great. It influences communities. Mm-hmm. When you when you when you talk about walkable and I wanna say it's like uh is it Paducah here that redid their downtown uh and and they, they stuck to it, again having a plan, saying here's what we're gonna do and they stuck to it and everything is uniform, everything is but people enjoy it, right? They enjoy the space that so creates. So you're talking Paducah, Kentucky? Yes. Because um, I was there I was there about, I don't know, 50 years ago, it seems. <laughs> um, and what I what stuck out to me was Paducah looked a lot like New Orleans. Yeah. In, you know, sort of the outdoor French style, yep. sort of with the, with the outdoor, um, I don't know, the trellises and, and the patios and all that. So is that, is that what you're... Yeah, that's what, okay. exactly. And, and, and the reason it looks like that is because they made a plan. They stuck to it. Mm-hmm. When you see it go awry or go off the rail, and, and it doesn't matter really the style that you will do or how it looks, as long as it's all uniform, is when you get all chopped up, then it loses its cohesiveness, and people don't realize that's uncomfortable to yeah. walk up and down a main street that's all chopped up and different. Yeah. And pick it, stick with it, but everybody's got, but every town has the plan, yeah. right? They got that plan book. Yeah, but sometimes those plans collect dust, yeah. and so you could... So really, when you're thinking about it, you know, if you're if you got a, a, a designer's eye, you could probably go into a town and say, okay, they've planned, they haven't, they planned, and too often, to me anyway, I don't think they plan much, or they have planned, but it's collecting dust in a in a, in a shelf somewhere. Well, I think it again comes down mm-hmm. to money. They mm-hmm. plan, and they refuse to tell developer A, B, C, whoever, you're not doing that. You're not put, making this a strip mall. You're not just going to yeah. paint over this brick. You're going to repair it and fix it up. Because it does take a little bit more money on that side of things. And it takes it takes a community leaders that say, no, this is what we want. Mm-hmm. This is what's going to happen. Right. Well, and for community leaders to understand that what they're going to do is they're going to invest in yes. their future. It's not, it's not necessary. And I've talked about this before. It's not, you know, wasting taxpayers' dollars when you're planning and you're actually you're not wasting the dollars you're investing the dollars in the future because in, in my mind it's not about me today it's about okay will my kids stay here if i invest this right. money into you know this exactly. project you make it a community and everyone can say oh something they can be proud of i mean it's the the front door project uh that a lot of communities have started doing and when you go into you know you think about like low income Areas and it used to be just build a bunch of housing and just house them, and everyone's figured out that's bad. You can't do that. What you need to do is you build housing that they can 
change that they can make theirs, that's nice, right? And as you develop these communities and you don't allow someone to come in and, and make it a horrible dump next door. And when they do that, everybody has pride. When they take ownership in their housing and their development, and even if you give them a little, even a 10 by 10 little yard in front of their porch, people take care of it and they have pride in it and they want to sit out there and interact with people as they walk by. Yeah. So it's, it does trans, does good design can transform a lot. Sure. Well, if you're, if you're me that, that, you know, I, I can appreciate good design. I just don't want to do the work. So if I have a 10 by 10, you know, a plot there, it's probably going to grow weeds, <laughs> you know, um, but you know, when you say planning, um, I've, I've, I, I keep hearing two things that go through my head. One is uh, those who fail to plan, plan to fail. And the other one is, you know, the time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The yeah. second best time to plant a tree is now. Yes. So can you take me maybe through a process of how people can contact an architect? What, what, are, the, what are the stages in terms of how do you go from a from someone who, or a community that doesn't have a plan to getting them to a plan and then getting them to an implementation or to getting the action steps in, in a plan? And then how, does, how do you work with communities or, or clients in, in that way? Well, I think the, if I understand your question, it's what you're asking, question. it's a yeah. process, yeah, and it's a process. And when, when to involve an architect is as soon as the thought pops in your head. I mean, that's really, I mean, it's just like your analogy of the tree. It's like, so many times we get a call and they're a year and a half into a project and they're like, okay, and we need this design and built in the next three months. And you're like, well, that's, you've got a two year process here. It's like, you should have called us a year and a half ago when you started and we could have laid out a timeline. And so what we do, we want to be involved from more day one planning to help get a realistic budget, to help get a realistic timeline. And we sit down, we can, engage the community we can get all the ideas together we can help facilitate any of those discussions along the way we can also produce diagrams and visual you know people like the visuals and help with that aspect even and then you get to a point when you're helping these communities that you start to understand the communities and so it's not just coming in and saying oh god let's just let's do all this spend all this money here you know and do all this it's really thinking about well you may not want to spend all that money. Maybe you just spend a little bit of money because, you know, so we're thinking about economic drivers as well. We don't want to just come in like a developer, develop something, make our money and leave. Right. We want to invest in the community and work with the community and the community members and anybody that wants to do a project to not only give them a usable design and I, I pops into my head form follows function or form follows, okay. form follows function. So, and it used to be function falls form. And so you're always flip-flopping between those two different kind of things. Yeah. And, and that's what a really good architect says. They can give you a great design. It's not my design, like, but it's your design. And so if you have the community that's invested in it, we help realize that for them, right? Okay. And then you get to the next phase of budgeting and, and all these things. And, and you really help keep it on track as it moves forward because you're going to get a lot of different input. Mm -hmm. Sure. And unfortunately, a lot of people think, well, I can do what they do because all they see is the end result of a building or this, and they don't really understand all the work and all the behind the scenes and the understanding of materials and energy and cost savings sure. model and all the, all the stuff it's that goes It's like in designing it. infrastructure when people are not going to see 
you know, when, exactly. you, when you're using when you're using the bathroom, for instance, they don't care about the infrastructure, but you have no. to pay for it, right? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like what well, I watched TLC, and they did that in a week. It's like no, no, they didn't. They tell you they did that in a week, yep. but they really didn't. They really spent a year and a half planning and. Sure. And developing and doing everything. So what do you think of those shows? Those those you know Property Brothers shows. The what was it the Home Improvement show that you know moved that bus yeah. piece and they took them a week to demo and then rebuild a whole thing. I mean, oh what, yeah, that was you, that was the uh, that was one extreme one, makeover home. home yeah. yeah, and they went to uh, they actually had the one in Huntingburg and I got to sit down with the architects from Indy. Yeah. Again, it's kind of one of those things too. It's like we as architects, for whatever reason, we. I don't know what you call it, but we 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 don't fight for our moment in the sun, our publicity, you know. And right. so in that show in the Huntingburg, I mean, this architect and they had a contractor, and they spent a year and a half designing it with the okay. owner and developing and planning and strategizing how this was going to be. And the contractor spent all this time buying all the pieces and building half of the stuff off site to be trucked in so that they could build it. In a week, See, so I, I, yeah, I knew that. There so was no it was way really that just that was gonna... assembly, right. you know. So I laugh. It's like, well, they didn't really build it; they assembled it because everything was done. All the hard work was done beforehand. It was just getting people in there to to do that. So, you know, I don't mind those shows. I like watching them, but I think it gives people an unrealistic sense of what how much time is actually involved in the design process. Sure, sure. So when. You know, we're going to, I'm going to harp on planning real quick because, you know, if you want an elected official to get unelected the next cycle, the first thing they'll tell you is we need we need we need standards and we need zoning and, <laughs> I mean the Z word. Yeah. You know, if you want if, if if a commissioner really wanted to get not elected again the next the next cycle, all you have to do is bring up the Z word and it, it happens. So well, sure. But let's have a conversation about stand design standards and. The best practices of that, and what the challenge is there a challenge to design standards other than political, you know, local political, you know, with sign signs being even and, and streetscapes being, you know, the, the equal and, and serviceable and usable yep. facades having a certain color or something like that. Is there is 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 that is that really realistic or is that sort of too rigid or no? For me, as a you know, as an architect and Thinking about design, I love standards and guidelines. That's part of the challenge, you know, uh, or opportunity, however you want to look at it. When you have them, they are great. When they're too rigid, they're bad. When they're free enough to where, eh, but you got to make them to where they make sense. And I think you mentioned, like, the signage. There's no reason, you know, though. The developer or the business, we want the biggest sign because everybody knows this. But there's no – I mean, you have plenty of communities. I mean, you even have communities where they've forced a Walgreens or a McDonald's to the, to oh, yeah. be again. Yeah, yeah these you, are the standards. You have, You're not – You go up to Burn, Indiana. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's Swiss town. Yeah. And their McDonald's looks like a Swiss yeah. chalet. Yeah. And you, and you know it. what? The developer will, will, will always cave if you hold your almost always will because they want the money sure and yeah it costs them a little bit more money to have a designer uh, an architect come up with a concept that fits the guidelines but at the end of the day your community is going to benefit from it and and that's kind of what it's so but it's so hard to show that impact economic impact until 10 20 years down the road however long and then they start seeing it 
Sure. Right. Sure. So you've been around in you know in the Midwest or around the country, maybe the world. I don't know if you've been outside the country, but can can you give me maybe a, a city or a town that has impressed you in terms of design that you think is a well-designed town or, or city? Sort of a best practice for. And I might be driving people tourism there. I was going to say, <laughs> that is a loaded, a loaded question and, a, and a probably too big to answer. I don't know that I know any towns. I mean, you have Columbus, Indiana, mm-hmm. obviously great. They seem to be a benchmark. It, it seems to be more. But, again, you have a big company that, that thought design was important. And they invested in it, right? That's uh, Cummins. Yeah, Cummins. Okay. Cummins. Yeah. And then you have, you know, the University of Cincinnati that had their design flair. USI, uh, University of Southern Indiana, is following that okay. and getting different buildings and different types. Whereas, like, a University of Evansville is sticking with this kind of older sort of, classical architecture. Like an Ivy, think, Ivy League. Kind yeah. Of, yeah. And I think both are fine. But the important thing is both campuses are doing what they want to do, right? They, this is what we're doing, and we're sticking to it. It's not, oh, now we'll let this designer do this here and this designer do that. Or No. It's, sure. You know, so, in other words, not like MIT's campus right. where they're all differently designed buildings. And, exactly. you got to kind of choose what you want. But I think, yeah. it, I think it just comes down to, you know, what do you want? Because, you, you know, what I, the most thing I hate is architecture is – contextual mm-hmm. so i mean you can have the different like at the university you can have a different building here and there and as long as all the different all the different buildings are different right but as mm-hmm. soon as you start to kind of have well this half of campus is this style and this half of campus we didn't worry about and this you start to get this hodgepodge and then you run out of where are you going you know what are you sure. doing what is your theme because i think it just makes for uh, student life makes it more interesting you know because kids are going to go for this flavor that flavor uh, and style of architecture or design without even knowing it Mm -hmm. sometimes you know i thought chapel hill was another north carolina uh, was another good example how they've kept at least around the university like here's what we're doing we're sticking to it, you right. know. We're not going to so break it's clearly, away. Clearly, clearly, there's a plan there. And right there. Okay. All right. And you know, I'm, I'm not one to you know juke on communities or name, and I won't name communities, but there are a lot of communities that clearly, you know, there's nothing in their downtown. There's no, there's no real life. There might be a, a store open, but for the yep. most part, the stores are closed and it's boarded up. And you know, wh- what do you say to those towns when? You know, someone wants to stand up and say, you know, I can invest in something here, but I need the town to well, we, to support it. Yeah, we call it, you know, for us it's master planning and it's knowing what you are. Mm-hmm. And architects, you know, if you've ever heard of the uh, the real studio, uh, Sam Mockaby started down in Alabama and it was a very poor yeah. county, you know, and he bring he brought his architecture students there and it's it, it's a great example of, you don't need a lot of money. You just need a concept that you can right. then expand and do. And so whenever someone says, well, if you do this master plan, you know, everybody, it's going to cost so much money. Everything's going to be more expensive, and you'll get that from developers or maybe even some builders, but that it's going to cost everybody too much money to build here. And it's like, no, no, no. As long as you know what you're doing and you want good design and you got to reuse buildings or whatever – 
you can make things you can make it work because that's what good good architects do right we can we work within the budget to give you your your desired outcomes sure sure and that's called the rural school the rural studio Ru- the rural studio okay. yeah so we'll find a link we'll put on our yeah website. they have their own uh, website and everything now I mean it's been going on for 20 something years okay. I think uh, I is think that housed at a university or? well it, it is close to Auburn okay I believe Auburn University is where Sam Lockerbie was, but it's so it's an off off site for mm-hmm. students to go, and they live there in the communities, and they design with a lot of it's designed with what they can find in the community. Mm-hmm. Sure, um, you're familiar with TED, yeah, like TED Talks and all mm-hmm. that, and uh, I've I've noticed the acronym is is that TED stands for an acronym, and it's <laughs> it's technology entertainment. Not to be confused with education, but technology, entertainment, and the D stands for design. Um, have Have you seen any kind of TED talks or or talks that really sort of hammer design? In the TED talks that I've seen, most of the TED talks are other kind of innovations and other things. I don't see too many in the design sphere. Maybe you can help me with uh, with whether or not there there are some really good design talks or. How's that highlighted there with Ted? I know you, I know you're familiar with Ted. Yeah, and and there's some if you uh, Google architecture, mm-hmm. there's not a whole lot. Um, they're they're just you know you have, it's really this realm and everything's changed from the star architect and so like, uh, you know you have some architects when you Google that and they talk about design but they're talking about you know, sustainable design or specifically like a well-building design or they're talking about facade design or whatever, or they're talking how it can improve communities, but really what they're talking about is more uh, economically, I guess, deprived or, you know, communities as opposed to, you know, good design overall. So I haven't come across a lot. I've come across a few... I'm trying to think with um, Thomas Mann with Morphosis that mm-hmm. started in L.A. I think he had a good talk. Uh, that was one of my favorites. But other than that, there's not a lot of talk. And, again, it comes back to uh, architects at whatever phase of the game didn't have to market, right? We didn't have to. We were just right. pick up the phone and an architect and you get called and because you're. we've always been seen as in this elite atmosphere and I think it was back when we had Frank Lloyd Wright and you had you know back in the day when everybody the architect was scribbling and he had fifty other architects oh, yeah, like clamoring the, on drafting like boards Olmstead yeah. And, yeah okay. <laughs> Taliesin's right. and yep. all that stuff and with that with the computer and computer programs, man you you, you can knock out a Set drawings faster and faster and faster. So, do you, do you draw still, or do you do you? Use, I sketch. You sketching sketch? is very important. I think drawing and sketching is very important. One of my favorite architects, uh, Marlon Blackwell, uh, teaches at the University of Arkansas. He has a firm there. He actually did a pavilion in Indianapolis a few years ago, um, but he has outlawed um, getting on the computer before you fully sketched out drawing out your ideas and yeah. thought for your project. And, and there's a real, you know, mm-hmm. this, there's a connection between your hand and drawing and the mm-hmm. thoughts you put into it 
that you don't get on the computer. Sure. So, I mean, if you're if someone as an architect, as a young architect designer, if you're jumping in the computer and start modeling, mm-hmm. uh, you're gonna you're gonna fail. Your design's gonna fail. Yep. I, mean, I don't care how good you are. Sure. You got to so, know what you're where you're going. And this is a good lesson to learn because, um, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a trained surveyor, so I, 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 I I'm a recovering surveyor. I don't I don't survey anymore, <laughs> but but um, the surveying that I got at my alma mater, um, it, it was a year long class and for three quarters of that year it was how to use the transit and the stadia uh-huh. which is no technology no computer right. in that you have to know the math know you know what you're doing what's level things mm-hmm. like that and then the last two or three weeks we used you know like the the total station and the gps and right all nine yards and those three weeks we were yelling at the professor going why did you Make us this do exercise? That. Right, right because he and he said it's because you in order for you to understand that According to the computers and all that, you first have to understand what it takes to to, to line up and sight up. Because I guarantee you, if you just started on the electronics and tried to line up and sight, you wouldn't know what you're thinking or what you're doing. Yeah, same thing. When when people used to hand draft everything, mm-hmm. there was a lot more, and people can say pride or whatever, but you you focused on what you were doing. Because essentially you screwed it up. Guess what? You're drawing that whole sheet over again. Sure. And nobody wanted to do that. So sure. you put a lot of thought into all those lines and the line weights and making sure everything was dimensioned properly and and everything like that. Whereas now on the computer, people just, you see it with younger students. They just do something and you're like, oh, yeah, okay, you're killing well, me. That, like, that, well, how they can really screw up a project. Oh, yeah. You yeah. can cost. Well, and again, that's the thing about architects was we don't. We get sued, and we get. We have liability insurance like doctors, but we get paid like yeah. teachers, I guess. Okay. <laughs> not, to, not to insult teachers, because my wife is a teacher, but yeah. I know how that works in in that world. But it, but it's kind of true, and people don't realize that they act, you can cost a firm a lot of money, and you don't even realize that it's a two second. You drop something in the computer. Sure. sure. Well, I mean, there there's some good firms that are out there. And reputable firms like VPS, which is why I sought you out. Um, I, have, I have one final question, and, and it's just been kind of bugging me. Um, is is uh, the architecture that Mike Brady works on? Is he <laughs> is that is is that legit, or or is he just sort of you know playing the character? You know, talking about the Brady bunch. Yeah, I would, I would say he was uh, playing the character. There is a, uh, and I don't know if it's still up, but there was a. Uh, friend of mine many years ago did a blog about he uh he had actually gotten hurt and was laid up in bed i can't remember if he broke his leg or something but he went and he watched like found every tv show or every movie that had an architect as a character and i mean from simpson episodes (laughs) to uh and i wish i could remember what it was but yeah there are so many like and even still, firms today still perpetuate the fallacy. Like, you'll go to their website, and there's a video of someone hand-drawing right. something. Like, and it's like, well, when I see that, I go, oh, God, that guy must be, like, ready to retire because he, he's not on the computer. Uh, I mean, 90% of what we do is on the computer and through sure. the computer and, and, and sketching and drawing or how we, you know, collaborate or whatever. But, no, I would say what, yeah. A lot, most of the characters represented in in movies and TV, this is what an architect does, is not what an architect 
yeah. does. But there is a great one of the best movies though. It pops in my head. If you ever want to know, and there's some other things too, but I think it was called Life as a House, and it was and it was about it was an architect, but this architect built models, and it was during the time when the computer and the computer renderings were coming about and everything, and so his job was being pushed out and kind of becoming obsolete, and they kept trying to tell him, "Hey, this is where everything's going." It was like, "No, no, everyone's going to want a model," you know, and, and that's kind of sums up our profession is like everybody wants these cool flashy renderings and they think oh that's design well it is but it's three percent of probably what the overall design right. and what it takes to get a building built right well and um yeah you're, you're absolutely right because I, I i see an architect and you know i kind of make a joke about mike brady but I, I i see architects as human beings that have an eye for something and good architects can design something original and innovative and be able to put that in some degree of purpose yeah, in, well, into that. I think the very best architects, if you're ever talking to, is one, they're the ones that are going to sit there, and whether it's a blank site, whether it's a building, and they're going to listen to you talk about what you want to have happen, whether it's economic development, whether it's just a cool facade, whether whatever it is, and they're going to have it visualized in their head before they sit down to do any kind of work on the computer, sketching, whatever, it's going to be in their head. All, all of the renderings, all of the quote-unquote design is just getting it out of my head because I've already visualized it. I visualize yeah. all the details. I do visualize materials, colors, all of that stuff. It doesn't mean that when I get it out on paper or in the computer that it necessarily works all the time. There's some adjustment there, but that's where the design thinking comes in but overall you have this big picture visualization and so i always try and tell people if you meet an architect that that one says they're a designer then all architects design so what does that really mean and then two if they can't if they can't visualize your project and talk to you about it without showing you pictures of other people's work or or even having this model that they show you that that's all byproducts of getting it out of my head. Well, but also it signals a community that maybe this architect isn't the right fit. Yeah. And that they might need to find someone who's more community-oriented. Because you're always looking, we're trying to do your vision, right? Yeah. That's yeah. the ultimate goal. Yeah. Make your vision come to life and in reality. That's a great way to stop. So, Mike, thank you so much for giving me to understand a little bit more. Hopefully communities understand a little more about design. Um, uh, again, if you want to reach out to Mike, he's got a Twitter. Uh, it's uh, MDAV007. Is it 007 because of James Bond? Or Yeah, I was a huge James Bond fan growing go. up. So that's good. <laughs> that's good. He's the principal architect at VPS Architecture. Um, you can find VPS Architecture on the, on the web. Uh, they are a really good firm. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, impressed with their uh, sense of community and, and sense of uh, giving back to the community. Um, I want to go to where, what, I'm, what I'm high on. Um, I'm high on Chicago. Um, I, I just love um, going to Chicago because there's so many different kinds of architecture. When you look at the history of Chicago, you look at Frank Lloyd Wright, and then you start looking at some of the contemporaries. Um, if, if, if you ever want to read a book, um, uh, read White City or, um, the, or the Eric Larson book. Um, it's about the Chicago World's Fair. Now, New York architects were competing with Chicago architects to do 
to design uh, basically a, a, a whitewashed city for the 1893 World's Fair. And um, I've always I've always loved looking at Chicago architecture because it's so different um, all the time. Have you ever seen the Wilco? Um, uh, album cover, you'll see the the two towers with the cars and the circular garage and all that. That's that's in Chicago. Um, I'm, I'm I'm high on some, like I said, some of those contemporaries. Louis Sullivan is another uh, architect, a contemporary of uh, actually he was sort of uh, the uh, the the predecessor to Frank Lloyd Wright. They were contemporaries, but he was a he was a little bit older, um, and he did um, a lot of a lot of intricate design. Um, with uh, regards to um, uh, or, ornate decor, decorative win- uh, not windows but uh, what, what are they Mike just sort of this bas relief or frescoes um, and uh, they um, uh, if you really want to get a, do, a, do a deep dive with Louis Sullivan there's something else I'm high on and that's Louis Sullivan's designed uh, what he called the jewel box bank and there's about seven or eight, maybe ten that are in existence today. Um, if you if you look them up, uh, there's a great one in Grinnell, Iowa, uh, Louis Sullivan Design Jewel Box Bank. There's one in West Lafayette, Indiana, um, a couple in Minnesota. They're, they're, they're scattered throughout the Midwest. Um, uh, just like Frank Lloyd Wright, Frank, you, you go to a lot of t- cities and towns in uh, any state, you might find a Frank Lloyd Wright um, designed house or building. Um, I was in Florence, Indiana, or Florence, Alabama, um, uh, last year, and lo and behold, I come across this Frank Lloyd Wright-designed house, and it's gorgeous and beautiful, and um, if you go to Rocky Mountain National Park, one of the visitor center is a Frank Lloyd Wright-inspired um, uh, design, so that's, uh, you know, take your kids and, and get out, you know, into the world today, and look at look at all this design, or, um, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's to walk your own, even to walk your own town. And look at some of the designs that are in your town of the past, and see if there might be some revitalization. So, um, I'm going to end with some resource resource time. Um, uh, I'd like to take people to a, a site um, called Main Street America. This it's a national organization that's committed to downtown revitalization, and they have a four um, they have they have their mission broken out in four areas, and one of their areas is design. The other one is promotion, organization, and then economic vitality. It's very important that um, you, you, you look at downtown revitalization as um, economic development. And uh, Main Street America is a, is a good partner in that. They have national conferences, and uh, they, their Main Street conference is in uh, March of 2019. I encourage anyone to look at that. And then we mentioned TED Talks. Um, there, is a, there is a pretty good TED Talk uh, that I really liked. It was from architect... Uh, Debedio Francis Keery, and he talks about design to build a community, um, and it's a very powerful um, um, uh, TED Talk. So uh, look on the TED website and uh, uh, look at, uh, uh, the last name is K-E-R-E, um, and he talks about uh, that to design a community, very, uh, and like I said, it's very powerful. Um, I'll end with uh, our thanks to, to our guest, Mike Davis. Uh, with VPS Architecture. Again, his Twitter is um, MDAV007. My Twitter is uh, WTH Mike Thyssen. Um, and um, thanks to uh, Bill Stein and Amy Moore, our producers of, of this podcast, part of the greater uh, GSD Podcast Network, and of course to Stephanie Altwill for the bumper. 
until next time, uh, keep going strong with your communities. And now we know what the hell Mike Griffin does. Jason Burton, Jason Burton, you're my hero.